turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. And, uh, and I think before that we're through that I think you will agree that, that we need this message. I, I always say that if God puts a message on, on the preacher's heart, somebody there needs the message. And the fact of the matter is, uh, we, we all need the message, maybe in a different sense, but it's all something that we need. Now, verse 1, Mark chapter number 5, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. When we look at this story and we think about the great power of God that's demonstrated here, I want to remind you that this is actually only one story out of a cluster and we see this especially, you, we could look at all of the verses before and the verses afterwards, but uh, whenever Luke gives the account, it's all neatly packaged in chapter 8 of Luke. You don't need to turn there, but he puts all of the story there where he gives four separate accounts. You'll notice this story started with the fact that it tells us that whenever they came over to the other side of the sea. What you don't realize from just reading that is that uh, took a miracle. Because while they were out on the sea, there was a terrible storm, and and, and literally the ship would have sunk and they would have been destroyed had it not been for the fact that God demonstrated His power over disaster by stilling the storm. And then we move into this story. It has to do with demons. And here we see the Lord casting out the demons. So He has power over disaster and over demons. Whenever we read on, we see in Luke chapter number 8 and verse 41 here, it talks about the woman with an issue of blood, and we see the Lord demonstrating His power over, over disease. 
And then you read on right after that, immediately on the heels of, heels of that story, is the raising of Jairus' daughter. And so here we see in these four separate accounts God's mighty power over disaster, over demons, over disease, over death. And all of this is a picture of the fact that regardless of what our situation is, God is able to meet our need. I'm certain there's someone here today that that is at a place in life and your story might be different than somebody else's, but you're at a, a point in your life that uh, you have a need that only God can meet. And, and, and whenever we think about this story, I, I love stories that talks about how God changes people. You know, here's a story that starts out with tragedy. We're talking about a demon-possessed man. By the way, demons are real. We just, you know, had Halloween and everybody makes light of the fact, you know, concerning the ghosts and the goblins and all of that stuff. And by the way, this just so happens to be the first weekend of the opening of the first church of Satan or whatever it is over in spring. Understand there are spirits in play over there in that place. But they're evil spirits. You see, there are real demons in the world today. Just as sure as there are angels, there are demons in the world. Well, he was a man that was possessed of demons, and here this tragedy, but notice how it ends later with his testimony of how he had been transformed. But I want you to notice his trouble first of all. And there's several things about his trouble that I want you to notice. First of all, his condition is dreadful. Look at what he says again. It says here that that this man was possessed of of, of demons. And Luke says he was driven of the devil. Driven of the devil. Think about that for a moment. There's so many people talk about the fact, well, you know, I'm free to do as I please. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know, I'm, I'm a free man and I can, I can do whatever I want to do in life. Well, the fact of the matter is, if you're unsaved, that's just simply not true. And here we see the depravity of this man that he is driven by the devil. We also see the anguish of sin. Notice it says he cried. So many people got the idea that sin is the thing that brings great pleasure. If I can just do what I want to do, if I can cast off all of the restraints, if I can be free to do as I please, you know, if I can live the high life, you know, I'll really enjoy it. I'll find satisfaction in life, but it it never happens that way. He cried. Have you ever been in a desperate situation where because of your sinfulness it literally caused you to cry? I mean, you didn't associate it with God and you didn't associate it with your spiritual needs. Believe me, there are a lot of tears shed in prison. There are a lot of those men and women that look back and think about the life they could have lived and the things that they should have done and they were insistent on doing what they wanted to do and now they look back and see all they've lost and they are in tears. 
They might be big, brave, tough guys out in the yard, and they get in that cell late at night, and uh, nobody there, no, no, no strong arm to lean upon, no tender embrace of a loved one, no one to listen to their complaint, no one to sympathize with their needs. And the tears flow. Sin always ends in sorrow. Always. You might be laughing now, but you'll be crying later. And that's the anguish of sin. And then notice the insanity of sin. It says, not only was he driven of the devil, not only is he crying day and night, but notice here it says he was cutting himself with stones. I just, you know, I can't imagine a man. I mean, picture this. Picture walking by that cemetery on a certain day and here this wild man comes running out of the cemetery. There there are the chains dangling from his wrists that he has broken and he's got these lacerations all over his body and he's crying and he's running and just driven mad, insane. And naked on top of that. You see, that's the shame of sin. So we see here the fact that he is a depraved person. He is under the dominion of sin. There's the anguish, the insanity of all of it, the shame of all of it. But notice he is deprived. First of all, he's deprived of any peace. There's no peace there in that cemetery. Sleepless nights, miserable by day and night. He's been robbed of his material goods. For whatever reason, he's naked. He has stripped off all of his clothes. He's naked. He he evidently has nothing. It's cost him his family. I can remember as an unsaved drunk laying in a flophouse motel room and the, the only thing there in that room was my suitcase and a picture of Kathy and Debbie sitting up on a chest of drawers there, and I would lay there at night, and I'd look at that picture and and cry, wondering what in the world am I doing? And knowing that I had a wife that was at home with those two precious daughters, and here I am, a stinking drunk. Well, listen, it's a big it's a big deal whenever you lose your family because of sin. You receive word, well, your wife and your daughters had to move out. I mean, you wasn't at home. They had to move out and filing for divorce and moving over with uh, with her mother. And, and all of a sudden you begin to realize my family is about to slip away from me. And then he's lost his health. He's lost his self-respect. A naked madman cutting his body with stones. And notice the conflict is ceaseless. Verse 3 and 4 and 5 it says, And it was always day or always night and day. Not just a passing thing. It was not just a fit of rage he was going through. It was something 24 hours a day. You see, sin never brings satisfaction. 
It's not like that he had 12 hours of fun and 12 hours of misery. It's night and day. And eventually that's where it takes you because you are enslaved. That's why Paul said to Timothy concerning those that are unsaved that they're taken captive of the devil at his will. I know some of you are thinking, why do you mention that verse so often? Because, you know, I do. I confess as so many times that I'll make mention of that verse. And I do so because I don't think that we really feel the impact of it as we should. Taken captive by the devil at his will. There are some of you that have wayward children. There are some of you that have a husband or a wife. That is someone that, that no longer wants anything to do with you. It may be that you've gone through a divorce, you're getting a divorce, or anyway your, your marriage is on the rocks, whatever it is. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, well, that person doesn't have to do what they're doing. And I understand that there is responsibility on the part of every sinner. I understand that, that God holds us accountable. We are responsible. I realize that, but I'm telling you, without the protective power of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have no power whatsoever over Satan. And we look at that drunkard or that person that is that is on dope and we say to ourselves, you know, they don't have anybody to blame but themselves. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad thing when we've got the attitude, well, they made their bed, let them sleep in it. Uh, where would you be were it not for the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'll tell you what, look, you're not any better, you're not any stronger than they are. It's not a matter of what you do and what they won't do. It's a matter of what Jesus does for us. So here is a man that is enslaved. He's not there just because, you know, he wants to be there. That might have been his choice originally. But now he is enslaved to his sin, a sin that cannot be conquered, a sin that cannot be controlled. But the good news is... There's good news, and that good news comes in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord comes into that area, and notice it says in verse number 6, When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Now, I'm not telling you that I understand everything about these verses, but I know this, that the devil is a believer The devil is a believer in the sense that he knows exactly who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And you'll notice that as this man approaches the Lord and as the demons begin to cry out, that it's not for deliverance, but it's out of fear because the demons are fearful that they're going to be cast out. They know that their doom has arrived in the person of Christ. But here this man is, he saw Jesus afar off and he ran. And notice what happens. First, in his transformation, the cure was instantaneous. It, it wasn't a process that he went through. You know, the Lord could have said, Look, I've got hope for you, but I want to tell you what, fellow, first of all, you've got to put some clothes on. 
You know, we talk sometimes about modesty and God's people being modest. And by the way, we, we need to deliver a message of modesty to those that profess to be Christians. You ought to dress different than the world does. But whenever it comes to those that are unsaved, I've really got only one message for them. It has nothing to do with modesty. It has everything to do with the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know of a church that, and there's more than one, by the way, and they keep, they keep some modesty blankets, uh, really, uh, for that very reason. And someone, unsaved or not, a woman come in with a dress that's too short or whatever, teenage girls that have never even maybe been to church, and they'll tell them, you're going to have to put this on. I'm telling you what, I'd leave in a heartbeat if I... Listen, I'm all for modesty, but when it comes to people that are unsaved, getting, getting them modest is not going to get them to heaven. The Lord could have said, look, you've got to put some clothes on before I have any dealing with you whatsoever. He didn't do that, did He? Or He didn't say, now look, you're going to put your clothes on. You're going to have to clean up. You're going to have to go back home. You're going to have to prove yourself. You're going to have to be a good husband. You're going to have to be a good father to your children. And I'll come back, and you're on probation. So I'll come back through in a few months and check on you and see how you're doing. But he didn't do that, did he? He just literally cast the demons out. And that quick... This man was cured of his problem. Not only was he cured of his problem, but notice that his change was drastic. I mean, it was something that was obvious. First of all, notice in verse number 15, it says he was sitting. He's calm now. He's sitting. He's not running around through the cemetery. He's sitting. Isn't it a wonderful thing whenever you come to know Christ as your Savior and all of that struggle with sin is over and at last you can just you, you can just relax with a deep settled peace in your heart knowing that everything's going to be all right now. He's sitting. And it says he's clothed. Now's the time to talk about morals. He's clothed. And by the way, he didn't even need a lecture on uh, on the matter of morals, did he? Nobody had to tell him you need to be modest. You know, there's some things that nature itself teaches you. The Bible speaks about certain sins that are against nature. I mean, it is so obvious that it's wrong that you don't need a sermon, you don't need a lecture, you don't need a definition from the dictionary. You just know it's wrong. And here is a man, no sooner was he delivered from the devil than he was sitting down. He's calm. His manners has changed and his morals have changed. But then there's something else. And it says that he was in his right mind. That means his mind has changed. So here's a man who's totally transformed all as a result of what Jesus Christ did for him. Notice, he didn't do anything for the Lord. 
He didn't offer any service. He didn't compose any songs. He didn't do anything for the Lord. I like that old song that says, praise the Lord, He did it all for me. I mean, that's the only way that it's ever enough. He does it all, folks. And the same one that transformed this demon-possessed madman can, can also deliver you from whatever problem you're in. It might be a disaster in, in your life. It might be some kind of demonic oppression in your life. It might be disease. Boy, whenever it gets down to the matter of death, that's just the Lord's way of trying to get across to us. It doesn't make any difference the nature of your problem. I'm greater than your problem. So here we see His transformation, but I want you to look at verse 20. Here we see His testimony. Now, first of all, let me tell you, the testimony that he gives is in response to the Lord's command. Notice it says in verse 18, And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed, that is, he's begging the Lord that he might be with him. Boy, that shows you this man got the real deal. Amen? Shows you this man is sincere. He doesn't want to be back with the old crowd. He doesn't want to live in the cemetery any longer. He wants to be with the Lord. It makes a difference who you want to be with after you've been with Jesus. I never wanted to go to church before till after I met Jesus. And I'll tell you, that made all of the difference in the world. Then I wanted to be with God's people. He wanted to be with the Lord, and, and he, in fact, he is begging the Lord. Is there, he and the disciples are moving on. He's begging, I want to go with you. I want to become a part of this movement. I want to follow you. Sounds like a, sounds like a great deal, right? But, but look, verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered, that is, he allowed him not, but saith unto him, Go home. Go home. Boy, you don't know how hard it is for me to move beyond that statement right there. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. You see, the Lord's, the Lord's command was that... Now, by the way, there wasn't a thing in the world wrong with him following Christ, right? Isn't that, isn't that what he should have done? Well, what does it mean to follow Christ? To follow Christ means that you do whatever it is he commands you to do. And he wanted to follow the Lord in the sense of going along with the troop, you know, and becoming a part of the group. And the Lord said, no, i got something else for you to do. You know, that might be all right later on. I don't know how that worked out. But the Lord said, I want you to go home. You've got a message to deliver. You, you see, folks, the world is like a big, giant courtroom. And Jesus Christ is on trial before the world. Your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates, your family, they're all sitting in judgment of Jesus. 
Now that's upside down. That's backwards. He's the judge. They're not, but they're judging him. And they come to some conclusion about Jesus by what they see in you and me and those of us that name the name of Christ. And we have been called by the Lord to testify, to witness. Remember the Lord said, Ye shall be my witnesses. The Lord is on trial. We are the witnesses, and we have a glorious message to report. And we need to let them know about God's grace, about God's power, about God's forgiveness, His peace, the joy, the long-suffering, all of the things that He provides. And by the way, that shouldn't have to be contrived. It ought to be the natural expression of somebody that that has been born again. You think about the rose being kissed by the dew and it just automatically gives a burst of fragrance when that happens. You think about the little birds whenever they're fed to the full and they automatically break forth in song. You think about the storm clouds whenever they roll away and the sun just automatically begins to break through and to warm the earth. Let me tell you, when you've experienced the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, when you come to know Christ in the free pardon of sin, it ought to be more natural for you to witness than it is for you to breathe. I don't put any thought into taking my next breath. That's something that is just automatically... We shouldn't have to stop and think about whether we're going to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ or not. It's not only a sin to be silent. Can you imagine the indictment against this man had he said, uh, no, I don't think I will. I've embarrassed myself in front of my family and my friends Some of them don't ever want to see me again. And there's some of them I don't ever want to see again. I'm going to head off in a different direction. It would have been an awful thing if he had rebelled against Christ, especially considering what God has just done for him. But he obeyed just as the Lord said and went to his family and went to his friends. And uh, notice verse number 20 again. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. That is an area of ten cities, a ten-city area there. How great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Well, I reckon so. No doubt there are some of those people that had been through that area and they had heard about the madman up there in the graveyard. Some of them, no doubt, had encountered him. They had seen for themselves what a madman he was. And now the madman has become a missionary. And he's got his clothes on and he's in his right mind. You can see the difference. You can tell the difference. And he goes back and he begins to share with them the difference that Jesus Christ made in his life. 
and it made an impact. They did marvel. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 8. Now, this is the same story, verse number 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received Him, for they were all waiting for Him. Some of the very same people that did not want anything to do with Jesus before now receive Him. Why? Because of the testimony of a man that has been transformed by the grace of God. I want you to stop and to think about the difference that you could make in somebody's life. But the only way you'll make a difference in their life is whenever they see that Christ has made a difference in your life. When they see that there has been a transformation, you're not the man you used to be. You're not the person you used to be. There's been some drastic change take place in your life, and you begin to share with them what Jesus has done for you. And I'm telling you, it makes a difference between heaven and hell for somebody. Amen? And the Lord wants to use you is a chosen vessel to be a messenger to not only deliver the news but also to demonstrate what Christ has done in your life. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior, you might be fully clothed. It might be that you've never lacerated your body. It might be that whenever you leave here, you're going to a nice home, fully furnished. You don't live in a cemetery. You're nothing at all like this madman. But I got news for you. Without Jesus, you're just as bad off as that madman in the cemetery. And without Jesus, you never know how low you're going to go before before you finally reach rock bottom and you finally turn to Him. He's the answer to every need that we have. And every Christian here today faces some need. Every parent knows what it's like to wish that you could exempt your children from any problems, don't you? Yeah. Well, every pastor knows what it's like, you know, you, you wish, uh, oh, I wish my wife had perfect health. I wish she didn't have any of those problems. Bertie, I, 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 w- I wish you didn't have those physical problems. Billy, I, boy, I, the, I just, I just goes on. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. And I can't do anything about it. But God can. God can. And I'm not able to dictate to God what He ought to do because in the first place, I'm not smart enough to know. But I'm going to tell you, I believe with all of my heart that if we do what He says, we put Him first, that He'll supply every need that we have. It might not be in the way we expect or the way that we desire may not be according to what we ask for, but if not, it'll be even better. 
And the same one that delivered this madman can meet your need. I mean, after all, he demonstrated his power over the disaster out there on the sea and over the demons and over disease and over death. And he stands ready to deliver you even today. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, how we thank you for for the record that we have of the mighty works that Jesus did. And to know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that whatever I need is, that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And Lord, no doubt this morning there's someone here that has a heavy heart because there are needs in their life that nobody else has been able to meet. Needs that they cannot in their own strength cope with. Needs that are beyond anything that that man can do. And I just pray this morning that they might be encouraged and and comforted with the fact of knowing that with you that all things are possible. And Heavenly Father, for that person here today that's unsaved, help them to see the horrible condition they're in. Help them to see themselves in the filthiness of the rags of their righteousness. And may they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to be forgiven and cleansed from their sins and empowered to live a Christian life. For we beg it in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and as we sing this morning, if God is speaking to your heart, would you come? Brother Kenneth will meet you here if you need any direction from God's Word, but you come and let God have His will. It's 332. Without Him I could do nothing. Without a sail. But here's the good part the difference that he makes.